Hello, me again. I'm hoping that this is the last of the foreseeable future of these sort of my two cents podcasts. We've just been kind of going through some technical difficulties, trying to figure out our whole software stack so that we can have these kind of guest interview conversation type of things. Uh, in the meantime, I didn't want to leave you guys waiting, especially with so much great hockey action having already kicked off one week into the season. So I figured I'd uh, come back on and let's just chat a little bit about kind of what I talked about last week and how that's all played out thus far on a new segment that I think might have some legs. I mean, you guys can feel free to let me know uh, either personally if you have my information or obviously in the comments uh, about whether you like this whole My Two Cents podcast format. I'm calling it Two Turks, you know, because Roman Turk wore the number one. It's like My Two Pennies, My Two Ones. Etc. Etc. Uh, yeah, so that's the terrible joke that I'm <laughs> leaving this thing off with. As we take a look at the week that was here on the Seeing Red podcast, I think last week before the the home opener started, I kind of went through some things that I was looking for as the season kind of progressed and stuff that I was kind of heading into the season as a as a paradigm of sorts, looking to see if the Flames could find an identity, if the Flames could figure out a style of play, if the Flames could gel as a team in general with the lines constructed as they were at the time. And I'm very sad to say that we have not gained any clarity as far as that goes. Certainly, if you look at the three-game sample that we've been treated to thus far, uh, on the day of recording, it is October 19th. The Flames are on tap to play the Buffalo Sabres in Buffalo, a team that I feel like historically just always kind of gives the Flames some problems. Uh, I vaguely recall, I think two years ago when they were, when they were the shits, or not the shits, but the shit, uh, very, very good going on to win the Pacific division. They had a very goofy game with the Buffalo Sabres. That was like, it was like zero, zero right up until the overtime. And then some Sabres guy scored some ridiculous goal to win one, nothing. And I don't know. It's just a, it's a goofy team that seems to give us a lot of trouble. So I'm not the most optimistic heading into this game, uh, especially when you take into account that the Buffalo Sabres, much like the Flames, have lost two of their first three games, albeit in slightly different fashion. Of course, we'll get into that right here, right now. But a lot uh, is still kind of in flux three games into the season, which I think is, I, I think most reasonable people kind of expected as much with the new coaching uh, staff that has been brought on board to kind of hopefully unlock the talents of some of the Flames' more high-end guys and get the most out of the dudes that are a little bit lower down the depth chart. And, you know, like, let's start at the beginning. Uh, So around a week ago, the Flames started their 2023-2024 campaign with a home date against the Winnipeg Jets. They were, of course, victorious, but the events that transpired from minute one to minute 60 were kind of a mixed bag, uh, left us... Wanting more in some cases. I'll, like, let's start off with the vibe. Of course, the home opener, it's always super, super fun. It's a great time. I went with a couple buddies. I'm sure everybody went with a couple buddies, had a few pops. Uh, the dome was rocking despite the fact that it wasn't a sellout crowd, which I think is something that we should kind of monitor. Um, <laughs> now knowing that they've announced a new arena and they're trying to like build some momentum, hopefully have this team in a good spot by 2026, 2027 when this thing is set to open up. Um, obviously with the geopolitical stuff going on right now, it's, everyone's kind of hurting for cash. And so I guess I should be that surprised that the flames didn't sell out, but, um, it wasn't a sellout crowd. I think there was probably, I think they announced like 18 G's, like probably a thousand people were not, 
uh, or were what it would have taken to get a sellout. And the Flames actually were among the cheapest home opener tickets in the National Hockey League. So even with all of that, uh, I thought there was a really good atmosphere. The Flames game ops, uh, you know, step up their game a little bit with some cool bracelet light show type stuff prior to puck drop. I'm going to be very curious to see if that carries on throughout the year or if that was just kind of a one-off or maybe they're saving it for like the, you know, the AAA premier games where they do expect to have a big crowd because it was quite cool with a near capacity crowd, but I could see that being kind of goofy when, you know, it's the dog days of winter and it's a Tuesday night against the wild and nobody's really kind of feeling the flow like they were night one against the jets. Um, But it was, a, it was an entertaining game uh, because the Flames really made it hard on themselves. I thought they came out kind of flat. I feel like the Winnipeg Jets largely outplayed them, and you know the, the game could have got out of hand really, really quickly had it not been for the play of one Jacob Markstrom, who was on my pre-game watch, pre-season watch list, uh, should I say. Obviously, in the wake of his 2023 campaign and all the disappointment and the shaky, inconsistent play he'd shown, uh, we were hoping for a bounce back, and I'm pleased to say that not only did he show a lot more confidence, a lot more poise, played big, made all the big stops, made some ridiculous stops, actually, uh, and really kind of showed the, the marquee of 2022 and prior. But in, in classic, you know, this iteration of the Flames fashion, he was also prone to letting in a squeaker, and uh, Kyle Connor put one in from probably like, I don't know, 40 feet away. Uh, that just found its way in and kind of sapped a little bit of momentum. Thankfully, the Flames were able to kind of regroup and and carried play uh, relatively for the duration of that game and really kind of pulled ahead in the third period uh, on the back of what was a great play from a new-look first line of Jonathan Huberto, Elias Lindholm, and Andrew Mondopani. The first two of that threesome, uh, I am still yet to see... Uh, a lot of encouraging stuff from them. I, I think if you looked at the point totals after three games, you would see, you know, three points of three games for Huberto. I think it's four points of three games for Lindholm. Mangiapane's got a couple goals. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the processes aren't quite there. There's a lot of times where you're like, man, these guys just don't seem to really get where each other are on the ice. They're not exuding chemistry. And I think we are jaded just because we did get to watch Elias Lindholm, Matthew Kachuk, and Johnny Goudreau light it up and in a line that if you put together in like NHL 23, they'd have like a hundred percent chemistry. They just complement each other so well, you know, it was never going to be like that again, but you would hope that a guy like Jonathan Huberdeau and a guy like Andrew Mangiapane would be close enough parallels to a Huberdeau and a Kachuk respectively that maybe that line would work. And I think it is kind of early to tell, uh, but not as encouraging as we'd like it to be. Although, you know, the result would suggest otherwise. And they actually walked away with their lone victory um, to this point in the NHL season before they went over to Pittsburgh, where the Flames actually put together a, you know, quintessential, prototypical, greasy, greasy road game for the first two periods and actually saw a lead through two. But, you know, we're, we're going to, it's going to be a recurring theme on the show. The ghosts of 2022, yet another lead that slips through their hands. Um, and one where a couple big mistakes uh, found their way into the back of the net. And my big takeaway from the game against Pittsburgh was there really just seems to be a pronounced lack of high-end talent, or, you know, maybe it's not a lack of high-end talent on paper on the roster, but just getting that high-end talent out of them because, you know, Eugene is like 
Eugene, you have Jeannie Malkin for, you know, the unfamiliar. Eugenie Malkin is probably like 36, 37 right now. I don't have the information in front of me, but I feel like that's a fair guess. Um, but he's still got it. He can still be the most dominant player on the ice because that doesn't go away as you age. Like that, it, the, that dominance just comes out less and less frequently. Um, and he really turned back the clocks and he like, he had a couple near misses before he eventually put in the dagger that I think sealed it. Uh, for the Penguins, I think that made it 4-1. But, you know, on a team with Eugenie Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, Eric Carlson, Jake Gensel, all these guys are just dudes that the Flames do not have a parallel for. And the Flames really have to get by on, you know, being a better team 1 through 12 in their forward group, you know, 1 through 18 on their skaters versus having a few guys that can kind of take a game over. And I thought that really became evident in the third period and they lost that game against Pittsburgh where the Penguins could just shorten up that bench and put out those absolute juggernauts who on their day are as good as anybody. Um, and the Flames just simply had no answer. And that's how you take a, a one nothing lead through two periods and end up losing 4-1 in kind of embarrassing fashion. All of that being said, the Penguins have really needed to have that one. Um, I think they also lost to the Capitals the night before and didn't look as good as they'd hoped to. Um, so I kind of feel like that's what's setting up here uh, as we head into Buffalo today is that was a team that needed to win and was more hungry and was more talented. And the Flames just weren't up to that challenge and weren't able to um, bridge that gap that was very clearly established, uh, certainly in the third period against Pittsburgh. And then we had the Washington game, the game against the Capitals, uh, where the ghosts of 2022, stop me if you heard this one before, um, were rear their ugly head, where the Calgary Flames were grossly, grossly outshooting, outchancing, driving play, um, sticking it to the Washington Capitals, um, and then one fell swoop, a missed tic-tac-toe goes back the other way, and your old buddy Matty Phillips, 5'7", buck 40, not good enough to stick it out on the Calgary Flames, or so the previous regime would insinuate, uh, takes a pass from Sonny Milano, Another ghost of Flames prior, uh, who had a, a PTO last year and eventually got cut and found his way with the Washington Capitals, where he enjoyed some moderate success. I, I know if you follow me on Twitter, you know I am not super heartbroken about losing Sonny Milano. I mean, the guy scored 11 goals last year. Uh, that's fine. Like, it, it's a decent season, but I don't feel like we missed out on you know, a Marty St. Louis or a, a Brett Hall or, you know, one of those other guys that the Flames orgs of previous years uh, let fall through their fingers. But man, let me tell you, that Matty Phillips, on the other hand, he played his bag off. He played great. Uh, I will tip my cap to him. Uh, I am very happy for him if, uh, you know, he does continue to enjoy the success. It does cut me very, very deeply that uh, <laughs> the Flames would let a homegrown guy like that slip through their hands. And so there's a little part of me that, you know, wants him to have success, but not too much success because it would just cut me very deeply as a Flames fan. But awesome for him. Really happy that it's working out for him so far in Washington and wish him all the best moving forward. Um, and the Flames org, if, if this does end up being a slam dunk for Matty Phillips, should be somewhat embarrassed with how they've handled all this because uh, this is a team that's starved for goals and starved for dudes with right shots. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it last week that Matthew Coronado, for my money, is the best right winger on this team and he's in his first season in the nhl you would have loved to have a guy like maddie phillips uh who's every bit as right-handed as matt coronado 
to hopefully take some of the pressure off the rook, but um, that is not the case uh, for reasons which we will never know uh, because it's too late to figure that out now. Um, speaking of Matthew Coronado, he did score a goal. He scored a sniper's goal. He clapped one top cheese. I think it was the only goal in that Pittsburgh game, and uh, I think it was his first NHL goal, actually. So kudos to Matthew Coronado. He has not been uh, a disappointment on an otherwise somewhat disappointing start. Uh, disappointing is probably not the right word for it. It's pretty lukewarm. Um, again, just kind of has left us all wanting. But Matt Coronado's looked good and not out of place at all, so I think that's encouraging for sure. When you boil it all down, the first three games of the Flames season, uh, it's a it's a perfect, apt 1-1-1 one, one, and one start. Uh, they've won a game that they probably shouldn't have, and they lost two games in which they probably deserved a better fate. Um, and now they move on to Buffalo, where they're going to be in tough against a team that also is not off to the start that they wouldn't have liked to. I know they headed in with a lot of expectations. A lot of guys are expecting Buffalo to take that jump and start to you know force themselves into the playoff conversation before... Uh, they eventually, you know, look at taking that next step and really solidifying themselves as a contender because they have a stable of young talent that would be the envy of any team. Uh, and they're all under contract. They did not wait at all to bridge anybody, you know, CC, Brad, Tree Living. They just went ahead and paid their guys right away because they knew that they were good and they wanted to keep them around long term. Now it's up to those guys to execute and grow with the team and, you know, become those eight, nine, ten million dollar versions of themselves. Um so it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be an interesting one for sure. And I am, I'm looking forward to seeing what we get on the ice today. Um, in terms of other things kind of surrounding the team, I think it's worth mentioning that while Lindholm and Huberto have not exactly jumped off the pages at me, I know some people would uh, say differently. And, you know, I definitely come from that paradigm of, I need to see it, Jonathan. You know, I, I was I was told a lot about what you were going to do here. I admittedly did not watch a lot of Florida Panthers games. Um, and the radio guys love to assure me that he does not do it in a flashy way. He's like kind of an understated guy, and that's how he gets his production. But he's just not jumping off the pages at me. And I won't even bring the salary into this equation. But just shift to shift, game to game, I personally would like to see a little bit more. Um, I would say the, the new look fourth line. Uh, with the addition of A.J. Greer uh, and Igor Sharangovich have been a very pleasant surprise. And in fact, the fancy stats would insinuate that they are among the best play drivers on the team, despite not having super, super favorable starts all the time. So I am loving uh, the new look fourth line. I think eventually we're going to have to figure out a nickname for them because we can't just keep calling them, you know, the new look fourth line or A.J. Greer, Sharangovich, and Dewar. Uh, but yeah, loving their game so far. Um, and I, I, I think... Walker Dewar specifically, I, I mentioned last week that he's a guy I would look to to move up the lineup if the current um, top nine as constructed is still leaving you wanting. Um, in addition to that, another standout for me so far has been Dylan Dubé. Another one that I think I might not see eye to eye on with uh, the broader public, but I feel like his game against Washington specifically, he was dynamite. Um, and I really, he really jumped off the pages for me when I went and watched the game against Winnipeg. I thought he was dialed in. I thought he played really good. The dude wins fitness testing every single year. Like, he is a hard worker. I think that's very, very clear. Um, he's also got some pedigree, like former captain of, of Canada at the World Juniors, um, albeit on a team that, you know, we'd rather not talk about too, too much. So maybe I'll, I'll clip that in post. But uh, yeah, Dylan Dubé, 
what a guy. Uh, hoping that he can kind of figure out his game here and provide a little more surplus value because I think he, I, I penciled him in for 25 goals to start the year. I think he's definitely got it, and I'd like to see him put in more positions to succeed. And I, I think this line with Kadri, who you know escaped by vitriol last week, I, I failed to mention him when uh, talking about the new additions to the team. Uh, and Ruzichka, who I did mention, uh, it, that there's there's some legs there. That line could work, and I'd just like to see it, just just see them build on that night in and night out. Um, because Ruzichka has been relatively productive as well. The lone guy who seems to like just not be able to get on the score sheet is Kadri, and I I don't know I don't know what it's gonna take for Nazem. I I you know I'm kind of biased. Like I've always been a big Nazem Kadri guy, so I really want him to work here. But he since basically getting killed by Jacob Truba uh, after the All-Star break last year has not looked like the same player. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, wanted to chalk that up to a little bit of a Stanley Cup hangover, you know, short offseason. The guy moved from Colorado to Calgary. Uh, and it is only three games in. But uh, definitely want to see more from the second highest paid player on the team uh, in Nazem Kadri, who is, you know, 33 years old, and that, that contract could start to look like a real albatross if... They don't start to see some value from that spot, um, you know, sometime soon. Uh, and the last takeaway I kind of want to bring about is the special teams. That was a really um, hot-button topic prior to the start of the season. Last year, the Flames penalty kill was uh, very, very good. I think they were a top 10 or, you know, top 12 penalty kill, but the power play was anemic. That power play would put people to sleep. That power play had no cohesion. Uh, they did not look like an NHL power play. I'll go that far uh, as saying as much. But this year, they're clipping at a robust 27%, um, which you know doesn't mean much because they've only had 11 power plays. But uh, they're, they're cruising. They're cruising so far. The penalty kill remains quite strong. They are 10 for 10. I hope I'm not jinxing it tonight. And, you know, Buffalo definitely has the tools to put a dent into that pristine, perfect penalty kill percentage. But... The, the, the penalty kill has not been an issue. The power play has not been an issue. It's been five on five that's kind of been holding them back and in their inability to finish during that. And I think if they can just kind of clean up the the, the big errors at, uh, you know, inopportune times, I feel like the puck management and the game management at key moments in the game has not been there yet. A little too careless, a little too casual at those times when you need to be everything but. Uh, so if they can clean that up, they, they can stay strong on special teams, uh, and then continue to pressure teams. And, you know, Jacob doesn't give in an inopportune Jacob or any goalie for that matter. Cause I know Dan Vladar was a little bit prone to it a little bit last year as well. If they can keep the bad goals out of, uh, off the score sheet, I'm, I'm encouraged from what I've seen so far by and large. Again, it's one, 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 we're three games into the year. We'll figure out what this team looks like very shortly here uh, as we have a little more track record. And we'll break it down next week with uh, with a guest and with a new song, uh, which is why we don't have an intro or outro. We're working in the background on getting a new track for Seeing Red uh, in addition to finalizing our guest list. So uh, a lot of good stuff to look forward to on the ice, off the ice, and uh, on the blog as well. i got a couple pieces I'm cooking up. So I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, Thanks for listening if you made it this far, and uh, feel free to give me a shout on any of my hot takes that I've spewed today on the very first two Tureks, my two cents on the Calgary Flames.